0: Yes, aren't dads awesome? We can give it up for the dads. Dads are awesome. Dads are encouraging. Dads are there when we when we pull a hamstring. Dads are there when we when we're going through a difficult time. We just need to make it to the finish line. Dads are not perfect. Dads make mistakes. Dads say some things that are inappropriate. Dads dads fumble the ball. Dads aren't always there at the finish line. Dads make mistakes. But today we want to honor our dads. Just for a minute, we want the so this I'm going to have you stand up dads, but I want I want grandpas to stand up, I want dads to stand up, I want uncles to stand up, and then if you're not a dad and you want to be a dad someday, I'm going to have you stand up too. So let's have these men stand and we're going to applaud these men. You want to be a dad? That's right. Thank you, men. Thank you. We honor you. We love you. We know it's not easy to be a dad, it's, it's a, but it's one of the most influential relationships on the planet. The role that you play in the lives of your children has the capacity to be, to be one of the most influential, heartwarming encouraging relationships on the planet. But it can also be one of the most heart-wrenching, discouraging relationships on the planet. And some of you know that. And some of us are kind of in between that. Like our relationships with our fathers was really great, and it was really bad. And we're all sort of in this together. But we all want a positive relationship with, with our dads and, and with our moms for that matter. And that's why I'm so glad that, that God gave us the book of Solomon and, and, and Solomon wrote some wisdom as it relates to having a wise relationship with your parents. And that this parent child relationship is so influential that, that, that God spoke to Solomon, and Solomon made these observations, and then he wrote them down, you know, like 3,000 years ago, and then we get to have them today to help us in our parent child relationships, to help us as dads, as moms, have heart warming relationships with our kids, because that's what we all want. I mean, if you're a child, you want to have a great relationship with your, your father. And if you're a father, you want to have a great relationship with your child. And so today we're going to continue our series in the book of Proverbs by trying to answer the question, what's wise parenting? What does it look like to be a wise parent? But before we get into the book of Proverbs, I ask some, uh, for some advice I've read plenty of books on the topic of parenting, but I, I thought I'd go to some of the best sources of wisdom as it relates to parenting, your kids. So I asked your kids if they could give you any advice on parenting. So Matt and the, uh, and the team talked to the kids in kindergarten through fifth grade, I believe K through five. Yeah, it's K through fifth grade. I didn't think, anyway, here's, here's what they came up with. These are some advice they gave you. So put away my toys and hug every day. That's pretty good, right? That's some kindergartner said that. Uh, learn to play games on Xbox. You know, I think I need to up my game a little bit on Xbox, but that's what a kid would love. Uh, do the laundry more often, and I love this part, and listen. That's some good advice there. Do the laundry, you know, I kind of need clean clothes, but Listen. Uh, answer my questions mom dad i've got a lot of questions about life you know but if you could just take time and be patient with me and answer my questions that would be helpful another one is sometimes only make dessert that's great you know forget the hamburgers forget the vegetables just make dessert for dinner read the bible every day now there's a wise child In our midst, one of your kids reminded you to read the Bible every day. That if you want to start your day off right and with some wisdom and insight, read the Bible every day. Just a couple more. They said, uh, tell lots of jokes. Hey, make it fun. Uh, Take care of your kids when they're sick. You know, thank you. Be, Be kind to them when they're sick. You know, and then take me to Disneyland and get a dog. I think just about every child wants to go to Disneyland and either have a dog or a cat. But this, this is some of the wisdom that your kids uh, give you, uh, but we want to expand on that and give you some of the wisdom of God found in the book of Solomon. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to find Proverbs chapter 22. So the, the words are going to be on the screen. We're going to go through a couple of different passages. If you have your programs, you can write some notes uh, on the lines in the back. But we're going to be entering in, as we have the last couple of weeks, into the book of Proverbs and the wisdom of God through the voice of Solomon given to us to help us live lives of wisdom. To answer the question, the best question ever, is this wise? What does it look like to be a wise parent and and, and to start off, I, I had to apologize ahead of time because the first principle might be a little offensive. So I'm sorry, particularly for the kids in the room, that, that it might be obvious to some, but the first principle that we find in Solomon is is this: that our children are fools. I know they just gave us great advice, right? And I love our kids, and I'm glad they look like their mom, right? So, but these kids, if we really are, are honest with ourselves, our kids, they're, they're fools. I mean, they're cute and cuddly, they're, they're, but they're born foolish. They're born self-centered. The, the, this is what we read in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Folly is bound up. Folly is the center of. Folly is twisted around the the heart of a child. They're born fools. They're they're not some nice, innocent bundle of joy. They're foolish. They're self-centered. It's connected to them. It's wrapped around them. It's foolishness. And, and, And Proverbs has much to say about fools. Remember, that's the path of wisdom and the path of folly that is just demonstrated in the book of Solomon and in and, and Proverbs. and this is what he says: Fools are stubborn. Fools are lazy. Fools lie. Fools are self-centered. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Fools are proud. Fools get into mischief. Fools gossip and tattle. And fools don't respect their parents. Have I described your child yet? Because <laughs> it's true. It's just as it is. And we were the same way, right? I was born a fool. You were born a fool. But we just need to be honest. As you think about wise parenting, what their starting point is. It's not a nice, innocent, clean slate. It's a self-centered Folly is bound up, centered on the lives of our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and our and, and our nephews. This is the reality of what we have. You were born foolish. God makes it very clear in a conversation with Noah. And this is what he says. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. That's how bad it is. What's that word there? It's evil. Every thought, every inclination of his heart is evil evil from childhood maybe you've had a conversation with your child and and they say something that you just and you, and you and you wonder where did that come from how could that be inside of you well there it is <laughs> there's evil bound up there's foolishness bound up uh, a number of years ago I was on a family vacation and we went to Yellowstone uh national park and I was with my kids and they they were younger at the time but the, the, the same example could be Given uh, you know present day example, but the one that that is is uh, that I like to share with you. And I, I ask permission from my kids before I share. In fact, I give them five dollars every time I share a story. <laughs> they love it. They totally love it. So I ask permission to share the story. And so my my daughter Annika um, and the, and we all went to Yellowstone. And we got up early in the morning. We were camping. We went to the gift shop, and we were uh, we just went to Old Faithful and saw the you know the, the geyser, and, and we um, were in the gift shop. And my youngest daughter, Zoe, at the time loved snow globes. And so Annika, at age nine, was sort of looking, and she bought her younger sister a snow globe, like all of her money. She kind of just gave it up, and she bought her snow globe, and we had it wrapped, and she carried it. And then she gave it to her sister, this nice, just beautiful, tender moment with her younger sister, and not 24 hours later, when we were unraveling our sleeping bags, she got an argument with her older sister about where to sleep and who got which bunk bed, and some of the nastiest, meanest words ever to come out of a child came out of her mouth, and I had to say, Annika, you can't say that. You need to leave this cabin, and you're welcome to come back when you can speak kindly to her sister. In fact, she had to do laps around the campground <laughs> in order to get this out of her. And then after she calmed down, I had this conversation with her. And I said, so, so, Anika, you know, help me understand. You know, in the morning, you said these beautiful, kind words. You got your sister a snuggle, but in the evening, you said the nastiest, meanest words that could ever be spoken to a sibling. What, what, what's going on? And I remember distinctly, she, she's like, I don't know, Dad. And in my mind, I was thinking, I, I know. You're evil. <laughs> you, you got this foolishness. It's bound up inside of you, and it just comes out sideways. And you can't always control it. And it's not even your fault because you're just a kid. And it just happens. And it's my job as your dad to help you to overcome some of those foolish tendencies that you have as a kid. Because that's our job. That's what the scriptures teach us. That it's our job as parents to make children wise. That God gave us parents to help us choose wisely. Because folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but then the next phrase in proverbs 22: 15 but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him see our job is to discipline our ch- our children as parents that's why God created parents is to discipline our children and I know that can sound sort of harsh right our job is to is to you know to take a rod you know and drive it out of him and I know it can sound like harsh and and almost like inhumane. But, but the rod of discipline is not like do whatever it takes to, to, to beat the foolishness out of the, you know, spake him if you have to. That's not what God is calling us to do because in Proverbs 13, 24, we, we read this verse. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. You see, discipline is a form of love. Discipline comes from the Hebrew word musar. Let me hear you say musar. Musar Musar is this Hebrew, pregnant Hebrew word that means both instruction and correction. It means information and rebuke. It's more of a coach than a commander. And that's what it means to discipline a child. To love a child... To care for a child is to musar a child, to teach and correct, to inform and rebuke. That's our job as parents, to carefully musar our children. And the key word is carefully. To be careful how you discipline your children. To be careful means to know your child. To be a student of your student, to know what makes them happy, to know what makes them sad, to know what makes them come alive, to know your child so well that you can speak words of insight and correction into their hearts. And some children need a strong rebuke. and, And some children, you know, you just need to speak a few words. And some children, you just look at them and their eyes, their tears well up in their eyes and you don't have to say a word. So know your kids. Be careful. Be wise in how you musar your children. Because to bring correction and instruction, information and rebuke, to be a coach, not a commander. That's how we come alongside our children with wisdom. I was talking with with a friend of mine who's a pastor, and, and he and I were talking about some of the different roles that we play as parents. And we begin our relationship as officers, like as a cop. Like when you think about your developmental roles as a parent, it starts off as a cop. Now, I respect and appreciate officers of the law, but you only meet a police officer when you do something wrong. The job of a police officer is to enforce the rules, and that's the first phase of parenting. We not only create the rules, we enforce the rules. We reward good behavior, and we punish bad behavior. That's what we do. We're cops. And then we move from a cop to a coach. Here's one of the best coaches in the world. Right? And what wouldn't do so well? He understood his players. He taught them character. He taught them the game. But it was much more than the game. And he came alongside them with wisdom. A good coach brings lots of instruction, even inspiration. But the best coaches know how to motivate and get the best out of their players, but they never play the game. They never go on the court. The players make the shots and live with the results. We're still in positions of authority in this role as parents. We set up the rules, but we don't play the game. We give instruction, even inspiration, but we let them play. That's what we do as parents in the middle school years and in the high school years. We begin to transition from a cop to a coach. We don't helicopter over our children. We coach them. We we instruct them. And then we let them play. We have these conversations all the time, whether it relates to the, the, the social media and do we allow Snapchat or Instagram or what? to what degree are we on our, our computers or on our devices? And we, we coach and we instruct and we have conversations about some of the ways media is good and some of the ways that it's not so good. And the principle is, you know, use media but don't be used by media. And, and allow those conversations, those coaching conversations with the issues that your children are facing in whatever age or stage of life that they are in. See, that's what we do at this phase of development. We're a coach, and we come alongside them, and we give them words of instructions, and we teach our children how to respond to life. But then we, we move from a cop to a coach to a counselor. And a counselor sits and does most of the listening. The child in this phase of development is, does all the talking, and, and, and one of the principles that we live by, and it's sometimes hard to live by, is that unasked for advice is criticism. That, that you, when, when you are giving advice and you are trying to influence your child, and, and they're, they're in their 20s, right, or in, they're into college, or that unasked for So so your, your job is to sit and be still and to listen and to let that child share what's going on inside. And even though we might see our child going down a path that we know is wrong, we let them go down that path. And we've done our teaching. We've done our instruction. We've trained them up, but now they're off to college, or now they have a job, or now they're living independently. And we still love our children. We still speak words of insight and instructions, but we ask better questions. That's what you do in this phase. You listen more than you speak, and you ask better questions. But this can be the most difficult phase of parenting because sometimes your children will soar and sometimes they will crash. But we must let them go but remain emotionally and spiritually connected. A father friend of mine is in this phase and his son was asking for advice with work. And the advice was he wanted to quit his job and move home and then find a job and he asked his father if he could move home in this transition, and his dad said no. First, employers hire people that have a job, so keep a job until you find one. And second, no son of mine is living in the basement without a job. (laughs) He was firm. He was clear. But that's what counselors do. The the last phase in, in this development is the companion. And this is the mutual relationship. This is the respect and honor. This is the the place that we always want to be. This is the adult mutual relationship where you enjoy one another's company. You listen to one another's stories. You delight in spending time together. It's the end of the parent-child relationship. And I'm in this phase with my parents, and I enjoy it when they come to visit me from the Midwest. And we go on bike rides, and we share meals, and we tell stories, and we laugh. And it's for a weekend, right? It's not for a couple weeks. It's limited in time and scope. And it's nice. I mean, it's really fun, but it's limited. Because we're, we, we know enough about how our relationship is that sometimes if it goes longer than a week, you know, then you can kind of get into each other's business. And you don't need to do that because we're friends. We're, 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 we're laughing together. We're telling stories. There's this mutual, respected relationship. And, and this is what it says in Proverbs 23. This is, the, this is the goal. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son... Delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. That's the goal, that's the end of the, the, the parenting line. It that may your father and mother delight in you and rejoice and be glad, not just in your progress but in your relationship, in your companionship, that you actually have a pleasant relationship with your mother or father, a meaningful relationship with your son or daughter. That's the final phase. That's what we would all like to see in our parent and in our children. But you begin this relationship as a cop, and then you move to a coach, and then you go to a counselor, and then you end as a companion. That's the journey. And one young person said it best when I asked for advice. She said these words. She says, be my parent, not my friend. She was a teenager at the time. And she knew enough about her needs. She says, I got a lot of friends. I don't need my mom to be my closest friend. What I need her to be is kind of like a coach and sometimes even a cop. Because I can wander, I can drift, and I need instruction. I need rebuke. I need my mother not to be a friend but to be my parent. See, our job is to teach our children wrong from wrong, good from great, better from best. That's our job. We carefully discipline our children with instruction and correction, information and rebuke. That's what we do as parents. And some of you might be thinking, I've tried that, but they didn't listen. Right? I did my best. I tried. They didn't agree with me. They didn't follow what I said. But that's not our job. Our job as parents is to teach our children wisdom. But they must choose it. That's the wisdom of Solomon. That's the wisdom of God. That all of us must take responsibility for our choices. No one can choose for us. Over the years, Christine and I have, my wife and I, we've read a variety of different parenting books, but the one that I would recommend that was recommended to us, like I didn't write this book, you know, I don't get, but this is a book that's been helpful, very helpful for us, and and the book is called uh, Parenting with Love and Logic, and maybe you've read this book, I highly recommend it, but in your program, you'll you'll see a little insert. And it's just uh, something that you can get off the internet related to some love and logic solutions. So if you have your program, you can pull that out. And it's just two very practical ways to, to raise your children with wisdom. And, and the first is just enforceable statements. And, and it says that many children have the uncanny ability to get us pulled into trying to control what we really cannot. And truly powerful love and logic parents recognize this and avoid this trap by using enforceable statements. Enforceable statements tell kids what we will what we will do or allow rather than trying to tell them what to do. And this was a game changer in our in our parenting. Instead of telling them what to do, we decided to just practice enforceable statements. And there's a list, here's a couple of them. Uh listen as soon as your voice is calm as mine. That's something that I have control of. I give allowance to those who finish their chores. I keep the toys I have to pick up. You can keep the ones that you pick up. Some parents can relate to that. (laughs) I'm happy to listen to you as soon as your father and I are finished talking. I'm in control of what I can do. I'll reimburse you for your college tuition for those classes in which you earned a B or above. I'll be happy to give you the money when I see your report card. I, I love that. One of my friends says it this way. It's unconditional love. It's conditional blessings. Uh, it's unconditional love. I love you without condition. It's conditional blessings, and these are the conditions. There's wisdom. In using enforceable statements on the backside, it's two ways to neutralize childhood arguing. And all we know all too often our kids like to argue, but a, a love and logic instant response is an empathetic voice. And I love this. It's like, oh bummer. Oh, that must be hard. And you you empathize with the child's emotional needs. And you know, that's really tough, that's hard. Kind of sucks to be you. You know, those are some of the words, some of the phrases. That I have found to be helpful. But the best one is an example of love and logic, the one-liner. And this is the one-liner. I love you too much to argue with you. And it's kind of like a broken record. I love you too much to argue with you. I'm not going to answer into this conversation. I love you too much to argue with you. Come back to me later when we can talk about something fun. I'll see you. Thanks. So there's simple dialogue, but we don't engage emotionally. We don't, you know, lose our cool. We take responsibility for our parenting. Because here's the truth. We cannot choose wisdom for our children, but we can choose wisdom for ourselves. That's the reality. We can't force our children down the path of wisdom, but we can choose the path of wisdom. We can understand what it means to be Musar. We can follow the, the cop, coach, counselor, companion roles. We can understand our, and be a student of our students. We can come alongside them well. We can take responsibility for our parenting. We can take our responsibility for our friendships, for our marriages, for our finances. We can live a life of wisdom, not a perfect life, but a wise life. I, I love what what what... Proverbs fourteen twenty six says, it says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. For his children it will be a refuge. That was week one, right? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And, and he who fears the Lord, he who submits to the Lord... He who acknowledges God as their greatest treasure and highest pleasure. He who worships the Lord and delights in Him. He who is secure in their identity. I am a child. That's who I am. It's who I am when your identity rests in God's view of you, not your view of yourself or anybody else. When you have that secure identity and you're protected by God, this will be a fortress, a refuge, a place of protection for your children. The parents who fear the Lord, follow and delight in the Lord, provide a hedge of protection around their children. When God is their source and refuge for the children, all whose parents fear the Lord. But it's more than just this general protection. It's really specific, and it's this way. The children see a life of wisdom. They watch you, and they're always watching you. And when they see you live a life of Of wisdom when it comes to your friendships, or your marriage, or your finances, when they watch you praying together and building community, they're learning from you, and that's the best gift that you can give to your children: is modeling a life of wisdom. You can't choose it for them, but you can model it. You can be the example. You know, a number of years ago, my my wife and I, or my wife was in the in the van, and. She had the kids in the back seat, and uh, she was in the parking lot, and she backed up, and she hit a car, hit a parked car. She happened to have a hitch in the back of the van, and so she literally poked a hole in the car <laughs> that was behind her. Um, and she's like, oh, shoot, and she immediately wrote a note, put it on the windshield of the car, and one of the kids asked, why would you do that? And, and no one's going to know. And, and she went on to explain you know, when you make a mistake, you write it down, you write a note. We have insurance. We talked about insurance and how that provides for that. And, and then um, later that night, kids were in bed. Christina and I were talking. She was like, I felt, you know, I, I'm so disappointed that I ran into that car. And, but, I, but at least I could show my kids what you do when you make a mistake. You take responsibility for it. You write a note. You put it on the windshield. And you, you own the mistakes that you make. That's the best gift that we can give. It's not a perfect driving record. It's just the way of wisdom. It's just taking responsibility for your choices. And that's what God is inviting us to. That's that, that's that protection. Because all too often as parents, I think we begin with the wrong question. We, we, we begin with the question, you know, what goals do I want for my kids? Or what would I want my children to become? And we say we want them to be happy, or we want them to be well-educated, or we want them to be well-rounded, but, but it's the wrong question. A better question is this. What's your goal as a parent or a grandparent? What type of parent or grandparent do you want to become? See, our roles as parents, as teachers, as adults is to live a life of wisdom and teach our children to do the same. That's why it's parenting. As adults, as youth leaders, your job, your role in the life of a child, is to live a life of wisdom and to teach our children to do the same. We can't force them to be wise. We all have to choose our own path. Children must take responsibility for their own choices, but we can choose a life of wisdom. You now, a number of a number of years ago, I mentioned the story already that uh, I went on uh, a rite of passage with my son, and we went down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and. We pulled out a rock and we wrote down some things that were hard, and 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 I wrote down in my rock um, parenting. And and the boys were like, "How can that be hard? You know, it's just us." You know, And I say, yeah, "It's really hard." You know, I just underlined it. it. Says it's super hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, I love the role of a dad, but it's super hard because I make mistakes, and kids get sick, and sometimes they don't know what to do. And I and I and I don't always emulate the example I want you to follow, and it's super hard. And while we were down there, we we had this little moment where we acknowledged some of the things that were hard in our lives, and and then I brought them to this this passage in in in, in the Psalms. See, life is hard, but the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. And when parenting gets hard, when life gets hard, when circumstances are hard, let me just show you that we just go to the rock. And in the Old Testament, they would take rocks and they would build little worship you know, places of worship and they would gather them together and be That's what we do with the hard things of life. And we allow them to bring us into the presence of God. So maybe you're here today and your your parenting journey has been kind of hard and you look back at some of the mistakes that you've made, and you're like, man, I made some big mistakes. I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or maybe you're here today, and, and as a child, you acted a lot like a fool for far too long. And, and, and it's your turn to say, hey, Dad, on Father's Day, I'm going to call you up, tell you that I love you, but I also want to say I'm sorry for what I did as a, as a kid. I was a fool. My pastor told me it's true, you know. <laughs> I was a fool please forgive me i'm sorry i was an idiot i'll be the first to admit it or maybe you're here today and you're just really grateful for your parents and you're grateful for the relationship that i don't know where you're at but i know that it's hard to be a parent and it's hard to be a kid and when these hard things come in our parent child relationships that when we bring them to the rock he can do something beautiful and so as the band comes up here, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna worship God here, and, and we're going to close our time in prayer. And I just want to invite you to allow God to minister to your heart and to your mind and to your relationships, particularly the parent-child relationship, because we all have parents, and maybe our parents have left us, and, 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 and we all have, you know, some of us, we, we have, we're adults, those of us in the room, and we have influence in the lives of children. And, and as we think about your relationship with your dad, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to maybe acknowledge you're a fool or maybe be grateful for how your father has invested into you or your mother hasn't invested into you. But this relationship can be really hard, so we're just going to ask God to, to do a work in us, to strengthen us, to, to, to stand on the rock. So, God, I just pause and just acknowledge that you're a good, good father. You're a good dad. In fact, you're a great dad. And, uh, you know, you run after us and you rescue us. You rescue us from our sins. You rescue us from our mistakes. You, You rescue us from some of the broken relationships that we find ourselves in. And so for, at this moment, this Father's Day 2019, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to do a work inside of us. And any of the hard things that we're facing in our relationships with our parents or our relationships with our children, we just bring to you as an offering of worship. And we just ask that you would take this hard thing and you would make something beautiful. That you would take this difficult conversation or this foolish mistake and you would turn it into something Worthy of praise. A a moment that we can just turn back and say, man, God, you worked in that. Say, God, I just ask that you'd meet us here as we worship you and that we could just let go of the hard things to you and trust that you'll make it beautiful.